Welcome to this pop-up podcast series, Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. Download your free Magic and Mayhem ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre. And this episode, we're talking to Jacqueline Harvey. Jacqueline is an internationally best-selling author of children's books. Her Alice Miranda and Clementine Rose series have been shortlisted for numerous awards, and her latest series, Kenzie and Max, was released in 2018. Jacqueline is hugely successful now, but when her first few books were published, she was still working full-time as a teacher. Now she's writing about five books a year. That's incredible. But it all started with a picture book that she wrote in just a few hours and which went on to win a Children's Book Council of New South Wales competition. So in this chat with Alison Tate from the Australian Writers' Centre, Jacqueline shares how she went from that first picture book to the best-selling author that she is today. Jacqueline Harvey has sold more than a million books in Australia and New Zealand, mostly through her best-selling Alice Miranda and Clementine Rose series, which are also available in the US, the UK, Indonesia, Brazil, Hungary, Turkey, and a whole range of other places. And they've been shortlisted for Children's Book Awards in Australia. Jacqueline has spent most of her working life teaching in girls' boarding schools and is a passionate ambassador for Dimmick's children's charities and Room to Read. So welcome to the program, Jacqueline Harvey. Thank you very much for having me, Alison. All right, now let's go all the way back to the beginning, back to the mists of time. How did all this begin? Like, how did your this amazing kind of you know million selling book thing that you've that you've done? How did that all start? Uh, well, I suppose it started. You know, even before I was a teacher, I always loved the idea of stories, and you know, I was a really passionate reader as a child. Um, I was one of those lucky kids who. You know, from the time I was about four, I had a library card. My mum would take me to the library every week, something I looked forward to immensely. So, you know, the idea of stories and books um, was always something that ticked away in the back of my mind. But as a kid, I never met any authors. And, uh, I, you know, I had this really sort of, I suppose, uh, mysterious view of, of who all these wonderful children's authors were and how did they work. And, you know, did they all live in cottages in the woods in England somewhere? <laughs> and uh, so the idea of actually being a writer was kind of, I suppose, out of reach for a very long time. And it wasn't until until I started working as a teacher, which is something I wanted to do from the age of about nine, um, that uh, I I was working as a teacher and met some authors and thought, oh, wow, maybe this could happen for me one day. Um, you know, if I, if I find out more about it and, you know, work out how to do it, perhaps it could happen. So I, I wrote a lot for my classes to begin with and wrote a lot of plays and poems and stories. And um, it wasn't until I was, uh, I suppose, about 30 years old that my husband said to me, you know, you talk about wanting to be a ki- an author for kids all the time. And I said, yeah, I know. And he said, no, no, you, you don't understand. You talk about it like nonstop. <laughs> and he, he threw me a challenge and he said, you know, are you, are you ever going to do anything about it or are you going to talk about it for the rest of your life? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a red hot go. And, you know, I had a job that I loved, you know, I really, really enjoyed being in school and teaching. And so I suppose for me, it was more about, you know, throwing myself out there and seeing if I could do it. And as I say to kids all the time, when I meet them, you know, what would have been worse than if I'd tried and it hadn't worked out? And kids generally work out that it would have been much worse if I'd never tried at all. Mm. And so that's 
kind of the decision that I made. All right. So, what was the first novel you wrote? Like when you just when you when you were like, okay, I've decided I'm going to be a children's author. What what was the first thing that you did? Like, what was the first sort of manuscript that you produced? Oh well, the very first story that I ever wrote was um, actually became um, it became an award winning picture book called The Sound of the Sea. Oh. And I, my husband and I were living at Byron Bay at the time, and I. I'd had a, a series of experiences with kids that I'd been teaching, really sad things that had happened um, where four kids that I'd been working with in the space of about three years each lost a parent. And it was it was a really tragic, horrible time. And uh, I don't know why, for some reason, I was standing on South Golden Beach one afternoon fishing with my parents and um, and I thought about these children and, you know, the, the tragedy of their you know young lives. And I went home and I wrote this book and... I know it sounds terrible, but I, I literally wrote it in probably a couple of hours and never thought it would get it published, never thought anybody would read it. You know, I really wrote it, I suppose I wrote it as a, a bit of a catharsis for myself. And I ended up entering it in a competition called, at the time it was called the Frustrated Writers Mentoring Competition with the Children's <laughs> Book Council of New South Wales, uh, a more apt name I don't think ever existed. And so I entered it in that competition, thought nothing more of it, and set about writing a funny book. So a completely different, you know, writing a, um, a humorous, uh, the idea was to write a humorous series um, about a little girl who lived near the sea and, and her mum was, uh, mum and dad were divorced and she was worried that her mum was going to be lonely forever. So she decided that she'd try and, you know, set mum up on a, a few dates. So, you know, the, the sort of disastrous things had happened. Anyway, um, I ended up moving back to Sydney and hadn't thought anything more of the competition and within about a week of moving down to Sydney um, found out that I'd won that competition with the CBCA wow and that for me really opened it it didn't end up seeing the book get published you know very quickly uh it still took that was in 2001 and that book was eventually published in 2005 wow so it took it took forever um but in the meantime what it did do for me was when I, I, I had sent the, the funny book manuscript out to several publishers and I had also sent the manuscript of The Sound of the Sea and because The Sound of the Sea had been picked up and you know, won the competition, it was <laughs> ironic that um, Random House was actually sponsoring the competition at the time and they had first right of refusal on the manuscript. So I had to ring around to any publishers I'd sent it to and ask for it back. And when I did... Instead of being, you know, stopped at the, at the reception, uh, receptionist, I ended up being able to speak to a couple of publishers. And that, for me, really just got me, a, an, you know, my, my little tiny little toe in the door. And mm. uh, in the, I ended up getting the, the funny series. I wrote three books in that series. It was called The Codename Series and was published by Lothian Books in Melbourne. And um, The Sound of the Sea ended up being published by them as well eventually. And then ironically, you know, after all of that, I, I, um, I like to sort of say I took a walk in the wilderness for nearly five years. I didn't have anything come out. And I, I was a bit confused, I think, about who I wanted to be as a writer, whether I wanted to do picture books or whether I wanted to write YA or, or middle grade. And I was dabbling with all sorts of different things. And it was at that time that I hit on the idea of Alice Miranda. And, um, you know, Alice Miranda was rejected by several publishers before Random House picked it up. And, you know, ironically, Random House never, ever saw that manuscript for The Sound of the Sea, but then they've been my publisher for Alice Miranda and Clementine Rose. And, and um, yeah, so in 2010, the Alice Miranda journey began and um, it's just been amazing since then, I have to say. 
Yeah, I was going to say. So I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't realize that she, that Alice Miranda, wasn't the first, you know, series character that you'd created. No. And and also, like, really, the that's a f- relatively short time in publishing, two thousand and ten, for the first book, for the series yep. to have just taken off the way that it has. Did did that surprise you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you dream about that as an author. You know, you dream that maybe you'll write something that is, is well-loved by many, many kids. But, um, yeah, for, for me, you know, when I wrote Alice Miranda, it was, it was interesting because I had no contract, I had no expectations, and I really did – I think the first book took me about two and a half years to write it because I, I just wanted to write the best book that I could have written at the time and the book that I would have loved if I was, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. And so for me, it was about really focusing and concentrating on, you know, what would make this book the best book it it can be. And I actually sat down before I even started it and I thought about what were the ingredients of the stories that I had loved the best when I was a child and why did I love them the best? And then I looked at books that had stood the test of time and why have they stood the test of time? And what is it that makes, you know, like Pippi Longstocking still stand out or Anne of Green Gables or Matilda? And I, I did quite a big analysis of, um, mm. of the literature before I even started. And I thought, well, you know, you've got to have a quirk. You've got to have points of difference. And interestingly for me, um, Alice Miranda, her, her point of difference, I think, in, in many respects, was that she's so perpetually positive. She's so on all the time and up all the time. And um, and I think that came about from the fact that she was inspired by three little girls that I had taught in the beginning and they were all very positive kids. Um, you know, one never had a smile off her face. One one was actually a boarder that I taught when she was she was only nine. And uh, anyway, her situation was, you know, I, I thought it was pretty tricky, but she was incredibly positive about the situation. And, you know, she said to me one day, well, you know, I'm just a kid and I couldn't change it even if I wanted to. So I could be happy or I could be sad and I'd much rather be happy. And thinking about these things kids have said to me over the years, you know, that that Alice Miranda sort of started off inspired by these three three little girls, two of whom I still see very regularly and they're not little girls anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, and who love the fact that, you know, she inspired, was inspired by them. And and actually, funnily enough, both of them have said to me, oh, she's so much nicer than we ever were when we were kids. <laughs> um, but she, she kind of grew into, I like to think that she became the best bits of lots of kids, boys and girls that I've taught over the years. And so, yeah, for me, Alice Miranda, I don't know. It's just I had I had no expectations of of out there in the world, but I had very high expectations of myself in right. what I could maybe do. Okay. Yeah. Did you get a sense that she would be a series right from the beginning? Like, did you set out to create oh. a series character? Yeah, would you believe? I actually first thought I would write her as a picture book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had this crazy idea that she would be, you know, this really sweet little girl, goes to boarding school, that would be a picture book, happy days, wrap that up. And when I started really thinking about it and looking at the sort of characters that I was developing, I thought, no, this deserves, you know, this, this needs, not deserves, this needs more than a picture book. And then when it, when it came down to it, by the time I was probably a quarter of the way in, I was thinking, oh, I know what I could do in the next one. Oh, she could do this in the next one. And so I ended up pitching it as a series. And, and I kind of knew from not very long in that it was, you know, that's where we were headed. Okay. Um, but I had no idea that, you know, we would be 
on the cusp now of launching book number 16 in the series. So mm. who knew that it would go for this long? <laughs> wow. So do you think, like, is it is that point of difference that you were talking about there, you know, when, when you were doing your analysis and looking at the sort of the mm. books with longevity, is, is that point of difference the key to creating a character that will carry a series, do you think? I think so. I think you. I think your characters have to be so engaging, and you know, we we talk. Well, certainly, you know, as um, as writers, there's there's a a school of thought that if your character doesn't grow and change, then it's not interesting. And I find it's been it's been interesting for me with Alice Miranda because she doesn't really change that much, but people around her do. Mm. And so, you know, that's another interesting thing. The the other thing is, you know, the lessons that we're sort of taught is that um, kids won't engage with a character who's younger than themselves. Well, Alice Miranda, when it first starts, she's seven and a quarter, but all her friends are much older than she is. And right. so, you know, her best friend Millie is already 10. Now, I, um, you know, I've, I've been, I guess, bobsmacked by the fact that I've got kids who come to events still who are now 17 and 16 years old. Um, <laughs> even at the weekend, I did an event and I have a, a boy who has read every Alice Miranda. He's now 11 oh, and bless. he adores her. So, you know, that whole thing of what are the rules, I feel like I've kind of broken the broken all the rules with Alice Miranda and with Clementine Rose too because she's quite young as well. And yet it hasn't seemed to impact negatively on the readership. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, that finding a point of difference, but how do you find the point of difference and make it work? I mean, that's obviously some sort of um, strange magic that I really can't put my finger on. That's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Isn't a kind of alchemy involved in it in some ways, isn't there? Um, I think so. I think sometimes you just don't know what it is, but it, it just works. So with both of your series, like, do you approach, like, as you said, you're up to book 16 with Alice Miranda, and how mm-hmm. many are now in the Clementine Rose series? 13. 13. 13. Rose. Okay. Yep. So do you approach each book separately, or have you got, like, a grand plan in mind of where the narrative arc of this, of these, se- I mean, how can you plan right. a series arc when you don't actually know how many you're writing? Yeah, well, in fact, I mean, it's been interesting because Alice Miranda, every book stands alone. So mm-hmm. um, even there's there's obviously, you know, it's helpful to read them in order in that you get a sense of who the characters are that are coming in. But we, we have a cast of characters at the back of the book. So if, you, you know, if, you, if you're joining the series at number seven or whatever, then you can go to the back and work out, you know, who, who's who in the, in, in the zoo, if you like. Yeah. But... Um, with, so with Alice Brandon, no, there was no sort of plan to write a grand arc, overarching you know, story arc. With Clemmy, that's been really interesting because with Clemmy, there was there's been an enduring mystery from the beginning. Um, so Clementine Rose is an orphan when we first meet her. She's um, she's delivered in the back of the baker's van in a basket of dinner rolls and uh, has a nose attached to her blanket and is adopted by Lady Clarissa Appleby, who, um, who becomes her mum. And so there, right from the start, I had in my mind that eventually I would let the readers know who, well, about her heritage, who she, who she is, where she came from. But so right from the beginning, I did have it in my mind that um, at some stage there would be a big reveal about, you know, Clemmie and her family. So in her family, there's Clarissa Appleby, who's her, her adoptive mum. And then she has, uh, Clarissa has an aunt, Violet, so effectively Clementine's great-aunt, Violet, and right from sort of the time when we meet her, there's really um, similar things about them. So their eyes are exactly the same colour and, and um, you know, there's other things. They both love fashion, this sort of thing. 
And so in book number 13, uh, Clementine's mother is actually getting married to a fellow called Drew, and Drew has a little boy called Will. So Clemmie's about to become you know, a member of a blended family. Mm. And I thought that was the perfect time to reveal you know, who her real parents were oh. and how she's actually how she's actually related by blood to Clarissa. And um, so it's, it's funny because kids have said to me, oh, is that the end? But uh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh. Even though, I've, even though I've done that reveal, um, there's still more Clemmies to come. So. All right. So you've had – so obviously as the author, you've known her full backstory the whole time or this has revealed itself yes. as to you – okay, cool. So you went into that um, with a plan. Yeah, no, I went into Clemmie – I mean, not completely organised with it, but certainly I always knew um, what her relationship would really be to Aunt Violet. And um, I, I had that sort of in my head right from the start. But, you know, other things reveal themselves. You know, I, I thought I, I didn't really know about the dad until I, you know, thought that out when I was about to write this book. <laughs> so, so it's still nice, nice to be able to surprise yourself and have things just sort of pop into your head. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, how that works? It's just sort of like, oh, there yes. you go. That's what that meant. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I know. Sometimes, some, some, I mean, there's, it never ceases to, me, to amaze me that sometimes I get quite close to the end of the book and I change my idea completely about who the bad guys are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alice Miranda came out, the first one you said, in 2010. So we're now 2017. Yep. You've got 16 Alice Mirandas and 13 Clementine Roses. You've been really busy. I have. Yeah, I have. I've been writing about, um, I think I've worked out that I've been writing about a quarter of a million words a year for the last, I don't Wow. Know, okay. So how long um, have you I been? I was working full time as well until the end of 2012. So Wow. Yeah, that was my next question. How long have you been mm. writing full time? So you were working full time for the first two years yep. of this. Um, how many books did you produce yeah. in that time? Uh, so by the time I left my, my job, I was working in a school. Um, I was, I'd actually been the deputy head of, at this school and then I moved to become the director of development, would you believe, madly in the school's 125th year. So I was in charge of about a bazillion events that, that year. Um, yeah, so I was, um, I think by the time I finished that, I'd, I'd done that for nearly three years and I'd written... I must have written about six Alice Miranda books and the first Clemmy had just come out when I was wow. leaving. So, but I'd already written like the next one. So I was pretty much for, uh, you know, people ask me how I did it and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, overstretching it to say, I don't think I had a weekend off for about two, maybe nearly three years wow. um, because I would work every weekend on the books. And I kind of, you know, I, it got to the point where I was really, you know, I had a great job at school and I loved school, but I got to the point where I, I suppose um, actually a child asked me the other day, do you have a, a motto or a philosophy that you live by? And I said, yeah, I do actually. I said, it's don't waste a minute and don't die wondering. <laughs> and, um, and it got to this point where I thought, well, I'm not going to die wondering whether I can do this full time or not. And I think the catalyst for me was I, I went on long service leave and Instead of doing what you know most normal people would do in long service leave and you know maybe take a bit of a holiday or go somewhere interesting, I I, I did go somewhere interesting, but I organised a, I think it was about and must have been nearly twelve week book tour across the United States and in the UK, wow, and to uh, to France and to Hong Kong and and in doing that, it was really about could I do this for the rest of my life? Is that you know would I love this as much as I think I'm going to love this? And uh, I came back to work and 
much to the horror of my my wonderful boss who I loved and adored and still do. Um, I, I resigned about two weeks after I got back. Wow. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> after she closed the shop of it, uh, you know, she was incredibly happy for me and, and has been, you know, a huge supporter the whole time. But for me, it really was about, you know, it, it was about having a strategy too because, you know, we – we all know how hard it is to make a living as a writer in Australia and or anywhere in the world. And for me, it was it was strategic. I knew how much I had to do before I could probably um, make that step. Mm. So is there a rhythm to your life as an author now? Like do you, in the sense of how many books are you writing each year and do you set aside different times for writing and different times for events and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, I'm finding I'm, – I'm, Sort of finding after nearly five years now that I'm I'm getting myself into a better rhythm. Um, mm. This year I'm not touring overseas. I, I've I've been to the UK uh, about seven times since 2012, I think, and that's been a, a huge thing to do every year. And especially because I organise, I've organised those tours myself. Wow! And this year I've, I've started to take a year uh, off from doing that. And um, so the, it, it's really about I I plan probably almost two years ahead in terms of what I'm going to be writing. Um, I had a meeting yesterday with my publisher and we sat down and we looked at the schedule for the next year and a half and what was going to come out when and when they would be due. And so what that does is um, it it helps me to look at, well, how many days do I have to write this book? Um, How many days will there be until it's published after it goes in? And so we do, we we are very planned in that regard. Um, So I am still writing about five books a year but um, I'm working on something new at the moment so um, at the moment that's kind of uh, in a sense I suppose taking a lot of my focus uh, but still there will be more Alice Brown and Clementine Rose as as well. Gosh so do you have a daily routine when you're writing like to produce five books a year you you there's some serious discipline involved in getting those words done. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for me, I, I'm usually up at the computer by about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And um, this year, because I've been home more and I haven't been touring as much, it's been great. I've been going off at, uh, at about quarter past nine. I go off to do um, – we, we have these great exercise classes in the park just up the road from me. So I've, I've been going with my neighbour and we've been going off and doing a bit of cross-training and boxing and yoga, which has been good. And so I, I sort of had that – I guess it's about an hour and a quarter out in the morning, which has been really nice on the days, obviously, that I can do that. Um, and then I come home and I usually work through until about six. Um, but it depends, you know, like two days ago, I had a deadline on a, an edit for the new book. And, you know, I worked from sort of seven o'clock in the morning till half past 10 that night just to get it done. So, you know, it, wow. it, it also is, it hinges on <coughs> you know, what, you know, what's due, um, you know, what do you have to get done? And, you know, obviously uh, it's, it's coming up, book week is next week, so I'm full on out every day, you know, from actually from tomorrow um, until the end of next week. But it's um, it, I, I look at my schedule and I plan, so I don't just plan with my publisher, I also plan with the publicists as well. And so we look at um, when are the optimal touring times, when are we going to go on tour, and I, I pretty much know a year ahead um, when I'll be touring as well. So that's really helpful, you know, being able to work out, okay, you've got a run of six weeks here, you're not touring, um, but then you're going flat stick touring for four weeks. So, wow. um, it, it is, yeah, it is quite planned in that, in that respect. So I can, I can usually sort of know roughly what I'm doing, you know, six months ahead of time. How long does it actually take you to write a book? Like in the sense of are you one of those people oh. that like just tries to blast out a draft or do you – 
you know, are you more measured and you edit as you go or how do you actually, like how long does oh, it take no, you? I, I edit as I go. So, so as I said, like the first Alcimander took me two and a half years because I had no pressure, no deadlines, no expectations except on myself. Um, now with Alice Miranda, you know, the, the, I always go over, I'm terrible at, at, you know, sticking to the word limit. And Alice Miranda has grown from being, you know, the first book was 45,000 words. Well, the, the books, after about book number four, they're roughly anywhere between 60, 60 and 65,000 words. So they're, they're quite long. Um, and uh, so I, I hate when I do this and I always find I do it if I haven't planned it enough. Um, but you know this Alice Miranda in Hollywood, which I'm is coming out in, officially in September. Um, when I handed that in, it was seventy four thousand words long, <laughs> and uh, I knew we'd have to get it back to about sixty. I think it's actually about sixty three. Um, but I wrote seventy four thousand words in thirty nine days because I knew I, it was it was the most pressured I've ever had to do because I just had this. Um, just the the way things had sort of worked, I knew this was probably going to be the most time pressured one that I'd done. But um, yeah, I I got it out. I'm really happy with. It. I love the story. Love the crazy characters in it. Um, yeah. So I mean, ideally, it would be nice to have. I can probably, you know, optimal do about sort of fifty sixty thousand words in two months. Yeah. Um, and then of course you've got all that editing that goes. You know, like we I you know I edit back and forth. Numerous, numerous, you know, many times we've um, edited Katrina, um, and I'm really fortunate. I mean, my editor, I think she's absolutely brilliant, and you know, we have huge trust in each other as far as the writing goes. Um, but for a Clemmy, Clemmy's around about eighteen thousand words, and I can, I can probably knock one of them out in about three weeks. Um, perhaps less if I have to. But do you but think that's because is that? Yeah, I was going to say, is that partly because you're working in a world that you're totally familiar with and you know the stories are going and, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that you know the characters so intimately. Um, But I do sit and I plan out the big ideas for the story. So I know the kind of major plot twists and turns and and I always start with a good idea of the ending because I I don't like sort of surging towards nothing. Mm. Um, and for me, because I I can tend to you know overwrite ten thousand words, um, I'd rather not if I if I don't have to. And it's been really interesting with the new book. Um, you know, I've spent this new book's been in my head for oh gosh, I would say eight years or so. These characters have been percolating in the in the back of my head. And about probably a year ago, I really started sitting down and and in between, you know, Alice Miranda or Clemmy plotting out about these characters and who they are. And and so I've I've spent probably a year already working on this, not quite a year, but um, yeah, probably about nine months already working on the the story. And really, the the draft that I've just finished and handed in. Um, I, I was determined not to go over 50,000 words, and I think I handed it in at about 50,000, 50, maybe 51,000. So I was Gosh. really happy that I planned it so tightly um, that I kind of knew that I, I wasn't going to run a million miles over to, over over the story, over mm. the, um, sorry, the limit. All right, so we just talked about the fact that you do a lot of touring, you know, you're doing a lot of events, you do a lot of author visits. Um, is that do, – do you think that those – is that because you think that face-to-face visits are the best way for children's authors to really get their books out into the market? Is that is that why you do so much kind of face-to-face stuff? Oh, uh, look, I, 
I think for kids, you know, for me, it's it's a lot of lot to do about the fact that I was a teacher and and I never met an author when I was growing up. So I think, you know, I want kids to understand that this is not a, a pie in the sky kind of a career. That you know, if you if you really want it, you can do it. And mm. I'm living proof that that can happen. And I think for kids, it's very inspiring to meet, you know, to meet an author and to get to know how how the processes all happen for them, and also to know that there's a lot of perseverance and there's a lot of um, resilience required to do this job. Um, so I think, you know, there's that element of it for me. For me, it's also about just getting back into school because I love the whole being in school thing. And, mm. and you know, there's often, oftentimes things will happen that when I'm in schools and I'll think, oh, that would make a funny anecdote in a story. Or, you know, you can often pick, for me, it's, you know, I, I pick funny things up and, you know, there's um, there's like a character in the new story who is completely inspired by a character that I met in England. And he will be very excited about that. Um, so, yeah, for me, a lot of it is, is um, you know, it's research as well. And, and I think kids, you know, the best way for kids to find out about great kids' books is word of mouth. And so, you know, if kids meet you and they love the story, then they're going to tell their friends. And, you know, kids are, kids are a really powerful audience. Mm. So I assume you're, I mean, your teaching background obviously helps a lot with, with author visits because I know a lot of authors who've never kind of been in a classroom. It's quite a confronting thing to go along, you know, and do your first author visits <laughs> and things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you probably were just like, yeah, whatever, here I am. But um, what are your tips for a successful author visit? Like as far as you're concerned, what do you think is the key to kind of making it go well? Um, well, be really well prepared. So, you know, um, it, it, it helps if you can send information to the schools beforehand so that they know a bit about you and that they are getting excited about the fact that you're coming. Um, I think in actually doing the event, you know, you need to be really engaging. Kids, it's a show. You know, essentially, you've got to be funny. You've got to be, you know, and, and you've got to know when to take it how far to take things before you pull it back because the other thing is you don't want your audience descending into chaos, especially mm. if you're not a teacher. I mean, I, I can still tend to silence a group of kids with a you know, bit of a hairy eyeball look, but um, it's, um, I, I guess it's just about that level of engagement and making sure that the kids are interested. Um, you know, for me, it's a lot about, I tell, tell lots of humorous anecdotes about my childhood. I am not afraid of making a fool of myself uh, completely. Uh, but I also try and make it educational as well. So I talk about, you know, the what are the best ingredients or the most important ingredients in stories. And I, I ask the kids um, questions. So there's that interaction and engagement between the, myself and the, the kids. Mm. Um, and sometimes, depending on what I'm doing, you know, I, when I when I was first um, talking about Clementine Rose, I, I we do a... Um, a little excerpt, an acting excerpt from the story. And so, you know, I have this thing where Clementine goes down into the sitting room and there's a man with, um, and his hair is sitting at a funny angle and he's asleep and he's snoring very, very loudly. And so she um, she looks at him and she sort of thinks there's something wrong with his hair. So she touches his hair and as she does, it slides off and falls on the floor. <laughs> and so I actually have a kid who dresses up to be the man in the sitting room and I have a little girl who, you know, a little, not not necessarily always a girl. We've had boys be Clementine as well. And, you know, we pop a bow. So I've got pop a bow in their hair and, and I, I have just a, like a little suite of props 
And then in the background on the big screen, I have a fireplace and an armchair. Um, so the kids sit in an armchair. So ah. like being able to do something dramatic is really fun and really simple. So simple drama um, works can work really, really well. So yeah, it's about that engagement and just being, you know, and I suppose too, being, um, being aware that sometimes kids will say things that you're not expecting them to say. <laughs> sometimes, um, I, I do recall, um, I, I do recall a little boy. I was at a school in the Blue Mountains one day, and I had the whole school, so it was K to six, and that's that's always a challenging audience when you've uh. got you know from the littlest to the biggest all in one group. And I was asking the kids, you know, what do you like in stories? And, you know, kids are saying, I like mystery. I like adventure. And this five-year-old in the front puts up his hand and says, sex. (laughs) And you can imagine the rest of the group just fell about. And I sort of looked at him and I said, do you mean like romance? And he went, yeah, like when people love each other. (laughs) And it brought the house down. But it's kind of responding, like, how do you respond to that? So he wasn't embarrassed. And, you know, it, I, I think I, I've quite successfully saved the day in that scenario. Yeah, wow. Okay. Because, yeah, as you say, like you, you kind of have to expect the unexpected, don't you, when you go into a classroom yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, do you do other um, – do you do other kinds of promotional stuff at all? Are you, like, do you, are you conscious of what you're doing online and all of that sort of stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. So I, I write um, – uh, I have a website and on the website I have a newsletter and um, I send that newsletter out every month. And I have, um, you know, lots of people who subscribe to that. And it's about, you know, writing engaging content and making sure that, you know, there's always something interesting in there. And, um, you know, recently I, I've read some really great books by um, other friends of mine who are authors. And so I've, I've written about those. I, I wrote about um, Belinda Morell's lovely new series. Oh, I yeah. wrote uh, uh, a review about Felice Arena's The Boy and the Spy. So, you know, just, I guess, being able to engage with your audience in that way is, is really great as well. Um, I, I do events sometimes. Uh, I sometimes uh, do uh, conferences for adults as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being able to reach the adult audience or aspiring writers, I think that's really important. And often I'll engage with people um, through email. Uh, people write to me in that way. Mm. And uh, and I write, write blogs as well. I write a blog and so um, people engage on the blog. So there's, there's lots of different ways that you can, you know, be talking to your audience if you like. And you can um, have a look at all of those things at JacquelineHarvey.com.au because that's where you'll find um, Jacqueline's hub on the internet. All right, well, um, just to wrap up today, um, let's have a look at the very important question of your three top tips for aspiring writers. Okay, my three top tips. I think, well, first of all, you need to be a reader and you need to read and you need to know what's out there in the world. Um, and I think you need to, to work out who you want to be as a writer. What sort of stories do you love the most? You know, for me, it was about finding, you know, realising that when I write a story, I'm nine years old. You know, that's my that's my part of the, the world. Um, and I think the other thing is, Fall in love with your characters. You know, if, if you don't love them, then it's going to be hard for your audience to love them. So for me, it's about writing engaging characters and really falling in love with them. So I think that's – is that three? <laughs> I think it sounds like three to me. I think that's fair. Oh, sorry, I was yeah. so busy listening. I wasn't counting because maths is really not my forte. But um, that, that sounds terrific. Um, so thank you very, very much for your 
time today, Jacqueline. It's been lovely chatting to you, particularly when I know how incredibly busy you are with your uh, very successful writing um, and author business, because that's essentially what's going on over there. Um, but yeah, yeah and best of luck with the, with the new book and with, of course, the new series, which is coming next year and which I can't wait to yeah. hear more about. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to chat. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Ataban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK and other territories, and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontait.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. Okay, Jacqueline's career didn't start entirely because of competition, but it certainly helped. I hear people say all the time that they don't want to enter competitions. They think that they're not good enough or they don't write the right kind of stories. But competitions are wonderful opportunities and you never know, you could end up winning. Even landing on a long list can open up possibilities. As you heard from Jacqueline, creating an engaging character is a key element of writing a successful children's book series. And getting to know your characters like they're real, living, breathing people can truly take your storytelling to the next level. It's why we created the online course, Fiction Essentials, Characters, the perfect writer's resource to have on hand each time you write a story. You'll learn how to cast your characters the right way and understand them in detail and the techniques and strategies you need to drive your story forward. If this is an area you'd love to develop, grab it today. Go to writercenter.com.au slash characters. That's writercenter.com.au slash characters. I love how Jacqueline wants to engage with her readers, obviously, doing school visits and whatnot, but she also wants to inspire other authors. One of Jacqueline's tips was to work out who you want to be as a writer. Part of the reason I put this podcast series together is to help you think about this very question. You've heard from many children's authors now, each with a different story, and hopefully it's got you thinking, what kind of writer do you want to be? Not just what genre, but who do you want to speak to? Who do you want to reach? What stories do you want to tell? With characters that are bubbling away inside you, are they waiting to burst out? I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to read your stories. If you're looking for a writing community that's really supportive, then come visit us at writercentre.com.au and sign up to our email newsletter, which comes out every week. It's really awesome, if I do say so myself. Also, you may want to join our Facebook group, It's the Facebook group for the listeners of our regular weekly podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer. Just go onto Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community, and it's an awesome group of listeners. See you in there.